Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And Marjorie, have you ever been told that you need to just relax a little bit and just calm down and relax? Elizabeth, how many years have you known me? <laughs> many years. I think you're one of the people that's told me that. I probably have told you that. Well, I think. you say it, you say it in a very sweet way. Yeah, you I used say, to say to me, um, maybe no more coffee. No more coffee is how I would say it. That was yeah. code word for <laughs> Calm down. just need to relax. We're talking about this idea of relaxation, meditation, yoga. I think the idea of having a daily practice of those things is probably for most of our listeners at the top of the list of things we'd, we'd like to do. Um, but of course it's easier said than done. Marjorie, where are you at? You're a yogi. You love to do yoga. I, and, and let me just say, I love to stretch. Yeah. I do a yoga. I do. And I feel like I need to put it in quotes. I do a yoga practice, but I follow this one woman and I have for years. I've talked about her before. Yeah. On YouTube, on YouTube called Boho Beautiful. And I do the same stretch every day. It's a beginner sort of morning, get ready for the day kind of thing, but it's quiet. It's fairly, um, it's not rigorous, but it's not easy. And so that suits me and that, that I can do every day. Mm -hmm. The problem is I think sometimes when I've tried to elevate my yoga practice, um, I won't do it, you know, and what I need more than anything else at 58, I need to slow down and I need to stretch. Yeah. I mean, that's really the most important thing. I'm not going to change my body type right now. I'm not going to look different than I do. I have finally accepted this is the body I have. This is the one I'm going to work with. My body is my home. My body is my home. I just need to stay flexible and I need to not hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we get older, that's that it's funny because, you know, you kind of hear older people complain about aches and pains and things. And then it's like, you get to be a little bit older and you're like, Oh, I get it. My I body isn't it. like a rubber band. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I do. And it is actually very helpful, but I think there's next level practice that I need to get into, which is what we're going to talk about today, which is meditation. I can stretch my body, but I think for sure, like the winning combo would be to stretch my body and calm my mind. For sure. Because calming your body is one thing. Calming your mind is Ugh. a much taller order, <laughs> I would say. Um, I'm really excited about our guest today because when she first showed up on Twin Cities Live, I had never met her. I'd never heard of her. It was just our producers were like, here's this person who's coming on the show. And then, you know, sometimes when you're just like in a space with someone and you're like, oh, I just really like everything that you're putting out there. That yeah. is how I felt about her um, immediately. And so then once I met this woman, her name is Kelly, I just started like incorporating other things that she puts out into my life, which I really love. Like 
I think if you can find, particularly with another woman, I think, you know, this is going to happen with men too, but if you sort of like sense something in them that's like, oh, what they have, I aspire to. Like I jive with that. I want to incorporate some of that into my life. And then you can just sort of organically grow that. It's really good. So today is very exciting because Kelly Smith is here with us. So Kelly, I sent you her website, Marjorie. We'll link it up in the show notes. It's called Yoga for You Online. And um, she is a longtime yoga teacher. She's a meditation teacher. Um, I do really like this that she says about herself that she believes that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to yoga, which I think we all sort of like have this idea yes. of what we're supposed to be as a yeah. yogi. She says your practice should be as unique as you are. And what I've really loved about Kelly is her Mindful in Minutes podcast where she um, shares meditations, guided meditations. And this is what I've been incorporating into my life as well. And we'll talk more about that. But we're so happy to welcome Kelly Smith to Best of the Nest. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Wow. That was good morning. That was maybe the nicest introduction that oh. I have ever heard. I need to like record that. And play we did it record myself. it. Oh my gosh. Hello. Duh. And I need to replay it every morning to like hype myself up and be like, Oh my gosh, what I do matters. Look at, look at oh. what Elizabeth just said. And oh. you know, you just sometimes it just don't you find and, and as also a podcaster, it's like sometimes you do these things. And you just are putting out into the world what you love. But then when you hear that it's like resonating with someone mm-hmm. or that it's touched someone and you're just like, right. it's just so special. So that is like the nicest introduction I've ever gotten. So Elizabeth, <laughs> thank you for just hyping me up in that oh, beautiful way. <laughs> you are so welcome. We're so happy to have you here. It's so great. So the first time Kelly was on Twin Cities Live, Marjorie, she did something called a sound bath with us. And um I I want to just ask you about that quickly because I had never heard of a sound bath. Marjorie, did you do you know what that is? Not until you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but it I sounds didn't... it sounds wonderful. It sounds like a bath in sound. It sounds perfect for um, me. It's it, but it is like a type of meditation. Kelly, when we met and you did that, I felt like that was so impactful for me. Um, explain what that is, and then maybe share. If I'm not the only one who hears something like that and is like, oh my gosh, that's what I needed and didn't even know. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because everyone has a different experience with the sound bath. And for me personally, there's many different ways to do it. I do it with those big crystal singing bowls. So, Mm -hmm. um, your listeners may have, you know, maybe seen it on Instagram or seen it on twin cities live. And it's like those big kind of like white frosted bowls. And then you play them and each one creates a different note or a different frequency. It's supposed to go to a different energy center in your body. And the idea is that it's almost like how like acupuncture works with the meridians, right? Mm -hmm. Or even chiropractic work to a point works on like your energetic body, your energy healing. It's tapping into that same space, but through sound and using these different tones and different sound waves and vibrations to help with just energetic alignment. But it's also just really soothing and relaxing. And I know we're talking all about relaxing today. And I don't think, you know, sometimes relaxing just it's important and it feels good and it's wonderful. And I don't think we should downplay the importance of something just feeling good and relaxing and soothing. Yeah. But what you're describing, Elizabeth, so many people are like, they hear the bowls for the first time. And there's just something about that sound and the vibrations that just like feel good and resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, what did you feel? Just like an immediate sense of calm. 
And just, huh. it was very interesting. And I, I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me that sound is something that's important to me. I mean, music has always been really important to me. Right. It's always like, if I hear something in a minor key, I start tearing up immediately. It's like a very interesting Oh, thing. I used to use that to my advantage on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that you could always make me cry with certain, <laughs> certain, yeah, it's, it's funny. My husband is the same way. He's like very sensitive to a minor key. We're like, oh, we Lord. joke. We're like, oh, we like cannot handle mine. We're like the minor. We love it, but it's so much. It's, it's a very funny thing. That's, next time I stay with you, I'm going to totally play. We're going to only, we're just going to be like Bach in minor. I, you know, whatever. Um, but there is something about that sound and there was something about even more than the notes to me was like the vibration that came oh. off the bowls. And this was so interesting because oh, wow. my sauna, my infrared sauna comes, you can add this feature where you add these like kind of speakers underneath the bench where it will make it sort of vibrate like that. And it's a sound bathing thing, I think that now oh, I'm like, great. I got to add, I'm, I'm going to need to buy that and add it. But, um, but I'd always kind of wondered, would that be something that would benefit me? So what I like about that, Kelly, though, is that when you talk about like a unique meditation, a meditation that's unique to you, I mean, again, it's the same with yoga as it is with meditation. Do you think that culturally, we have this view of what we're supposed to look like if we do those things, like our thumb and our pointer finger pointed together in a meditation. And then if we can't immediately achieve that, we're like, oh, I'm not a real yoga person or I'm not a real meditator. A hundred percent. I think this is something that I push against a lot. And I just personally get frustrated with sometimes because people think with both yoga and meditation, right? They think if they are not a young, bendy, thin white woman mm -hmm. on a mountaintop doing this incredibly bendy thing that somehow they're, <laughs> you know, not practicing yoga, that it's not quote, like real yoga. That was what Marjorie was doing. She was doing air quotes the I whole know. time she was talking about her practice. Speak directly to her. I know. And I... <laughs> And, and, and I heard you doing this, Marjorie, and it's yep. something that I hear people do a lot. And I think we're so quick to discount our, not only yoga, but meditation practices too. And people are always like, quote, like real, or am I doing it? The other one is the right way, right? Yeah, doing right. This quote, the right way. And if you're doing it to any capacity, you're absolutely doing it the right way. Like if you're moving your body, the point of yoga, so there's actually, we don't have to go too deep into this. This is me like nerding out on we yoga. We like it. Go. Nerd out. Mm -hmm. So there's eight different limbs to yoga. One of them is the poses. It's called asanas. So there's eight different limbs. And it was actually the last element to be added into the yoga practice to prepare the body to sit longer in meditation. Aww. But it's a thing that we've really sort of focus on and we just are so stuck. And I think it's because, you know, we're visual creatures. We have social media. We see these beautiful yoga poses. Right. And so we latch on to that, that that is what quote yoga is. But there's also like withdrawal of the senses. There's concentration. There's the way we interact with ourselves, the way we interact with the world. There's meditation, all these different elements that make up the practice of yoga. So I am practicing my yoga when I am trying to practice, you know, nonviolence in the way that I think of self or I speak to myself and the way I speak to others. Wow. That is just as much a practice of yoga as doing a beautiful backbend as a 22 year old on a mountaintop. Perfect. I think that we do that same thing with meditation too, where we have this quote air quotes, like the right way where you have to sit crisscross applesauce. You, you know, <laughs> have touching your pointer finger and your thumb indicating <laughs> unity with the universe and chanting ohm when 
you can do that. And that's where I think like everyone's mind and everyone's soul and everyone's life is different. So when you're practicing to turn inward and to connect with something deeper, the vehicle in which you're going to do that is different because the journey is mm-hmm. different. The destination is different. And it's just about finding the way that you personally want to do that. So for some people that's doing mindful movement in the morning, which is definitely real Marjorie. And also <laughs> it could be, you know, working with the sound bowls and having like sound be this beautiful meditative introspective experience for you. That can work like wonderfully for me. A lot of times it works like in the morning, maybe doing a little movement, but really just checking in with like my feelings and kind of like just sitting with how I'm actually feeling every day is what works really well for me right now. And it's going to be totally different for everyone. So if you're doing it to some capacity, you're doing it and you're doing an amazing job. Okay. I, I love that you say that. And for me, what I've come to is, well, you said two things that resonate with me. The first thing is the idea of if something feels good to just allow yourself to be in that because it feels good. And I do think we question that with ourselves all the time, or we don't give ourselves the space to do the simple things that make us feel good. Mm -hmm. And for me, stretching is essential because it feels good. And I feel better throughout the day for having done it. And it's not long. And I think sometimes people, like you said, get obsessed with the idea that either I'm not doing it right. I did let go of that a long time ago, but, or that I'm not doing it enough or the practice isn't hard enough. And I think that's where I would get caught is not about how it looked, but is this hard enough? Am I pushing myself enough? So it was almost like I was making my little yoga practice competitive with myself. This is like, so I, your personality. It is so my personality. And that's what I had to let go of is I don't have to, like, I don't have to really hurt. I don't have to be in heated yoga. I don't have to be, you know, all of the things that it doesn't have to be. It mm-hmm. can just be a simple 19 minute practice, which makes me feel good and better. And I think that that's something that I, I like the way you talk about it. And I'm glad you push back on that because I have to push back on that in my own mind all the time. Of, I, I have, have to, to elevate it. I feel good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be elevated any more than this. <laughs> I feel good. And and what is greater than doing something for your body and for your mind that just feels good and impacts right. the rest of your day in a positive way? Mm-hmm. And right. so much, I think, you know, Marjorie, I think you and I have a lot of similarities. I, you know, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, like I think all three of us are so used to putting a lot of our value into like our output and our productivity <laughs> and our progress. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> in the nature of who we are and what we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so I, so much of that, I mean, when I first started doing yoga as a teenager, I did it as cross training for my sports because I wanted to, you know, be flexible. And it was very much like to push myself to Mm -hmm. physically do something. And I think many people, like we just, it wasn't until I had a teacher that finally educated me on even the benefits. I used to be a Shavasana skipper where, you know, I know, I know that's like, 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 don't, you know, sorry, but it's, you know, I'm reformed. I would roll up the mat and I'd be like, well, calorie burn over, stretch over, like, see you later yoga teacher. I've, I've got to roll and go do the next thing. Can't waste my time with this baloney. And I'd roll up my mat and like sneak out the door. And now I teach something called yoga nidra, which is where you, you can be laying in Shavasana for 50 to 75 minutes. And it's yes. just like my life's work, but no one ever educated me on 
basically the art and the significance of quote, doing nothing Mm -hmm. or just turning inward and not actively producing or moving towards something or trying to improve yourself in some way. And it's meditation does improve your life in many, many ways, but that's not really the point. Yeah. That's really good stuff. The Shavasana skipper. Oh, that's it's, cool. it's that's really, that's my deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> revealing it here on best to the nest. That was really amazing. That's so interesting um, that you talk about that and about feeling good because so I, this is all I've been discussing the last four days is this show on Netflix called wild babies. You guys, I've been like looking forward last night. My kids wanted to watch something else and I was like, absolutely not. We're finishing wild babies. I don't know what to tell you. This is what we're doing. It is this amazing show. It's narrated by Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. It's eight episodes. Each episode is like 30 to 35 minutes. It's on Netflix and it just, every episode just traverses the globe and shows what wild babies do. So they introduce you to like a wild baby lion and her two brothers, and then is showing like the dangers and their life. But one thing that is so interesting about this, this is, is when great. it is, it's absolutely incredible. It is a must watch television. I want every single person to watch it. I've watched it with, we just finished it. I want to watch it again. We watched it with our four and seven year old. And, um, what's so amazing about it. And when you were talking about like, what's wrong with just doing something that feels good is that animals who are constantly on the hunt, constantly under threat, you know, really have like life or death things happening every single day. I mean, we have problems, but we, you know, you're not like facing a predator every single day, you know, as a human being right now, but they consistently every single day work things into their life that just feel good. Whatever it is, whatever species it is, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And so I've been thinking so much about this and I've been learning so much about this from this show that I really fundamentally believe that that just like being and soaking up what's around us is integral to every single living being on this planet. And it's part of our instincts. And when we don't do that, we are every day bashing against what our humanity as an animal is telling us to do. I don't know, guys, you got to watch wild babies. It's going to change your life. Well, to your point, I think we, we are, especially I think in American culture, we are so good at distraction. Oh, for sure. We love it. Noisy and pointless. And it doesn't necessarily make us feel good. I mean, this is, we're going to be getting into this in the coming weeks too. But if we talk about the digital landscape, honestly, 10 minutes of meditation, I wonder if they've done a study on this, 10 minutes of meditation, as opposed to 10 minutes of scrolling through Instagram, what does the brain do? Oh, Kelly, I bet you have some ideas. Let me tell you about a little science here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the brain for a minute, ladies. So I do not know the actual study on exactly what you are describing, but what I can tell you is eight to 10 minutes of meditation every day over about eight weeks will start to change the actual makeup of your brain. And what happens, and people always tell me they're too busy to meditate. And I always tell them that's like saying you're too dirty to take a shower. And (laughs) I tell them just eight minutes less of something that doesn't serve you. And the example I always use, I'm like, just 
eight less minutes of scrolling. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then you have your eight minutes. But what we know is that, so the amygdala, which is kind of like the drama queen of our brain. So it's responsible for fear, pain, worry, and anxiety. That is the part that kicks off the fight or flight mechanism in our bodies. And then we have the prefrontal cortex, which is like the part of the brain, right? You know, if you're going to do like a face palm, like right mm-hmm. behind the forehead, that has to do with like emotion make regulation, higher cognitive function and concentration and focus. So 10 minutes a day over eight weeks, the amygdala actually begins to shrink and attribute which for many of us, it's too big and overactive. Mm-hmm. And the prefrontal cortex becomes bigger, heavier, and have more surface area. No so way. we're neurologically being rewired to have smaller physiological pain, worry, and anxiety responses. And we're being rewired to have better focus, concentration, and emotion regulation. Mm-hmm. So even if there isn't an exact study on you know, and I imagine that there's a lot of emotional benefit to 10 minutes of meditation versus 10 minutes of scrolling, but even taking a 10 minute swap of something that we know really doesn't serve us and serve our well being, what you can do over just eight weeks is you're actually rewiring your brain for smaller anxiety, pain, and worry, physiological responses and greater, higher cognitive function, focus, and concentration. I mean, that is a better result than like any clinical trial on any anti-anxiety drug. I mean, really, that's unbelievable. Or even go to the gym. Like your brain is a muscle. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could go to the gym for eight minutes every day and then start having actually these like, you know, after eight weeks, then be like, oh my gosh, like my, I can actually see these huge changes and, you know, different formations in my body. Like my brain can. My frustration. I mean, I love what you said and that should be for all of the parents out there, that should be not only sort of a seed that they plant in their own brain, but a seed that they plant in the brains of their children. Because, I mean, these are the things that I think as parents, even, how would you change the tone of your household if everybody took eight minutes less of something that wasn't serving them, including a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old? I mean, these are the things that, like, I look back now and we did not meditate as a family. I mean, I we did not. What would that have looked like if we did? Like, I love my family and I love my boys and I'm, you know, I'm proud of them, but it's, those are the things that like, now I know better. I would have tried to do that because I just think that's such a powerful tool for a child's brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kids are, they're doing breathing, they're doing meditation, right. they're doing yoga all at their schools. I mean, I think this really the teachers are just, and I don't think it's like a program that they're passing on into the school, but it's just, they're just incorporating it creatively into the day. I mean, my oh, kids, I will see Franklin when he starts to like freak out, start to count his fingers because he's breathing to calm really? himself. I mean, I, that's, that's the point that you talked about, Kelly, that I think could really shift the dynamic of homes is the Mm -hmm. ability to self-regulate your emotions because, you know, what's the cause of all of the conflict? It's when it's like, this didn't go my way, you know, and the kids aren't the only ones who do that in the household. Listen, I have stepped on things, walked on things, seen like for the 15th time, no one is listening to me. And I'm like, I cannot handle this anymore. And you're just like outburst. I mean, Kelly, that that emotional regulation piece, can you speak even more to that on how important that is? 
Oh gosh, absolutely. And I, I, so the three of us are all mothers and I think it's so interesting because our, the ages of our children go everywhere from, you know, just under one to adult children. And my son is one Mm -hmm. and so much, of course, you know, as you both know, your life turns upside down once you become a parent. But I think about these things just so, even though this is something I teach people every day, I think about it so much more intensely now that I look at my child and not only how I can live as an example of, um, you know, incorporating mindfulness or even just being present Mm -hmm. in your life every day and how, you know, I need to embody that. People always say, oh, you know, so-and-so needs meditation or, oh, they totally need meditation in their life. How can I get this person to meditate? They're so like high strung. (laughs) And, and I mean, I get it because sometimes I think that too, I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. I see a little road rage. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, did you know that eight minutes a day, that's that's coming from the amygdala, (laughs) but anyway, it's not my place to judge, but I just think that the only way we can really, um, show people how powerful meditation can be is by being the example Mm ourselves. And then people look and they're like, well, wonder what she, like, she just seems so happy. This is how I felt about you. (laughs) Oh my God. Which is so kind. But I think our kids see that too. And sometimes vice versa, where Mm -hmm. we see something in our kids and then we're like, wow, like what are they doing? And they're, you know, embodying something that then we as adults, want to also live in our lives. But I think that we are so, you know, I think, I mean, Elizabeth, you said it perfectly. It's like, I think of this meme where it's like, moms have two modes. It's like patient mom. And then like losing your stuff, mom, where it's like, you're like, Oh honey, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? And then, you know, you've said something 19 times, no one listens. And then you just like flip your lid. Yeah. yeah. No one's listening to me. Yes. No one's listening. I have said that. No one listens to me. I mean, yes. Oh, I say that I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, even the dog doesn't listen to me half the time. It's just like, what's going on here? But I think that being able to not only regulate your emotions to not have those two modes of like feeling like, you know, super dialed in mom or like losing, and this isn't just moms in general, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling like we're living on these two ends of the spectrum of being able to kind of live in the in-between, but also when we slow down and we turn inward, we can actually connect with what we're feeling. And a lot of emotions are so much more complex than just, you know, what is, you know, by the time you get to anger, you've probably gone through so many other emotions mm-hmm. to get to the final destination of being angry and then snapping at someone. And if you can just slow down and tune inward, this is what a lot of my practice looks like because, you know, just the state of my life right now, it's like, what's actually happening beneath the surface. I think that's such a powerful practice. And then you can stop before you get to the final destination of just losing it. You can stop at, oh, I'm feeling ignored or, you know, I'm just feeling frustrated because I feel like I'm I'm not being valued for what I'm saying or yeah. whatever it is. You can stop before you get to that total, just like losing Or I'm it. hungry or yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Or I just, you know, I'm kind of sleepy today. Yeah. I and think um, what's interesting about this, and I think what's so important and to anybody that's listening that uses emotion to dump on other people. And I think that's a big part of it is, I think so many people, not just mothers, but people in general use rage and out like that expression of rage or anger or frustration, all of those things, they physically have no other way to get it out than to express it. I remember my husband did an interview with a a doctor a long time ago on another show that he did, and they called it, um, I think it was emotional vampires where basically a person needs to like get all of that out and mm-hmm. dump it on somebody else yeah. so that it's no longer within them. 
And I think it's a really lazy emotional habit that a lot of people do. And I think part of when we talk about meditation, it requires, you know, for somebody who really needs it, it requires a level of self-awareness. And so I would say to people who are listening today, do an emotional check of yourself. Do you rage? Do you keep your house in a state of emotional chaos because it serves you or that's what's familiar? I mean, for me, I know when I was younger, running at a very high emotional level was all I ever knew because it's kind of how it, I, I don't want to completely lay the blame at my own family, but it, it feels like that's how our family ran. We mm-hmm. ran hot. And so I feel like that was my norm. That was my comfort zone. That was my home because that's what I knew. Yeah. And it was hard for me to imagine living in a state of calm that felt unnatural. And I think that's, what's really hard for people to get over is it's hard for people who grow up sort of in that state, that accelerated emotional state to understand that that's not normal and it's Mm -hmm. not good for you. And you don't have to live that way. That's a paradigm shift that a lot of people can't make. I mean, we, we live in a culture where it's acceptable to live like that. I think what I love about the message that you're giving to everybody is that you can change that. You really have control over it and it's a better way to live. I only changed it quite frankly, because my husband lives in a state of calm and I would look at him like, why are you so happy? all the time? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Like things are stressful. Why aren't you exploding? Like, why aren't you, why isn't this boiling over? Like, are you repressed? No, he just is able to manage his emotions because of the way he was brought up. And so I think that, like, I love that we're talking about meditation, but I really want to say to people who really, really need to do this, to sit for a moment and think about how you're running your emotional life. Be honest with yourself and understand that calm is possible. It's possible and just try it because it's so much better. It's just so much better. Yeah. And I mean, it really is. It is better, but it also, it's hard and change is hard. And it also, it can be uncomfortable. And I want to like, just speak on that too, because I think that we sometimes think, oh, meditation or tuning inward or slowing down, like it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes it's not, you kind of have to kick up some of the gunk. It's kind of like if you're walking, you know, we in Minnesota, lots of lakes and you walk and you're going to kick up some of that silt. If you're walking through a lake and there's going to be a little gunk, you have to let the dust settle a little bit to find that clarity. Mm -hmm. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable at first. You might, you know, I my belief from my own life experience is that a lot of times we numb things or we are constantly do this, do that, busy, 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 because you don't have to slow down and see what's happening beneath the surface. It can yeah. be a little uncomfortable sometimes, but if you can slow down, let the dust settle, that's where you get that clarity. Yeah. And sometimes the only way out is through. Yeah, it's so true. That, uh, that you know, that uncomfortable, uh, we were just talking about that because, um, you know, in our house, we've had a lot of changes over the last few months. You know, I, I've talked about this before. I broke my ankle and then Jay started a new job that following Monday. Mm. And 
we kind of went through these cycles and now I start to really recognize like I have this, I know now like three weeks after a, a big change is going to be a difficult point. And um, for even when it's a good change, you know, we were just talking about this with Jay's job, which is so great that there's a moment of like, ah, discomfort. And he said, it was, it's, it was that point was feeling uncomfortable. And then you get through and then you move to the other side. And it was, um, I think that first week after a big change, you feel sort of an adrenaline that you just kind of keep, you're like, I got this adrenaline. I got to do this. I got to do this. This is the change I'm making it happen. The second week, you start to feel kind of fatigued, but you're like, okay, okay. And then the third week, it's like, holy hell, what did I do? How am I going to make it through this? And then the fourth week, you can start to like ease in. But I think looking inward and then also stepping back and kind of taking that big picture look at, oh, I've been here before. I've been in this discomfort before. Um, and then you know that you can get through. I mean, which is why some of like your wisdom of life only comes with age. Because if you're like two years old and some big change happens, you don't know that you can get through it because you've never gotten through anything before because you're so small. <laughs> but, but that goes back to Elizabeth. I love what you already said about Franklin. And this is what's so important about schools integrating these practices into the curriculum ever so subtly or however they're doing it. But look at Franklin who, and I'm sure it's not perfect every time, but I think it's extraordinary that he, that at four, he's in, he's already learning mm-hmm. that he can be in charge of his emotions yeah. by counting. And then the other thing that he's learning, which I think is so important is if I don't explode, if I regulate my emotions, I don't have to live with regret or shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and a, I that's amazing. That's a huge part of it is I think any kid that has a tantrum, any, any of us that has a tantrum, not a kid, mm-hmm. but if you have an emotional outburst, that might feel cathartic initially, but afterward, there's going to be the shame that you lost control. Mm-hmm. If you're really in touch with your own emotions, you're going to feel that in some way. And I just think that's so powerful that idea of being able to regulate yourself for a child to be able to do that at such a young age, think about the self recrimination that he's avoiding already in life. Yeah. Cause at three, he did not have that. There was a lot of there. It was a lot, Kelly. It was just <laughs> oh, I believe a lot. I just no, want you to know the three oh, nature thing is really real. There were multiple times when I hauled him out of daycare at the end of the day, super pregnant with Heathcliff and had to like put him over my belly and strap him against his will into the car seat. And it didn't feel great. It wasn't great. Uh, and then I would come home and go in the bathroom and cry and it wasn't, it wasn't great, but you know, the, the only fine. way out was through and, and now we've made it through and now I got another one that I'll probably manage again. Kelly, when we, when, if we want to, um, if you're starting from scratch with the meditation practice, um, where do you think we can begin? And particularly as it relates to our home, because, you know, we talk so much on this podcast, this is best to the nest. This is about making your home a sanctuary. And so I think a lot of us, like I start to immediately think like, okay, what would be like a little area of my home where I could have this be a space that I walked past and I was part of that I could um, integrate into my house and then integrate into my day? Yeah, I love this question. And I love that the two of you focus on this so much because I think it's something that a lot of us crave, but that we don't like dive into of really creating this home like a sanctuary. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm all about doing what is realistic 
for you, especially I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast, you're busy. You have a lot going on. The last thing you need is you're like, oh, and now I have to go get this beautiful altar to set up to (laughs) meditate every day and do this and that. Really, you don't need anything. But what I will say is that if it, again, if it feels good to you to kind of make a little bit of a special ritual, even if it's just maybe getting a little meditation cushion that you like or having, you know, a special little place. I have a corner of my office that I have my yoga mat and my meditation cushion sitting there. And that's just like my special little corner, like doing something to make it feel special because it is special. Mm -hmm. Those 10 minutes a day that you're taking might be the only 10 minutes of the day that you are really tuning inward and doing something for you. So celebrate that and make it special. You need as little as literally nothing. You can just sit up in bed when you wake up and breathe. That's how simple it can be. Two, if you have a special little place, a corner or a room that you want to transform into like this little mini self-care sanctuary, you absolutely can do that too. So just do what feels good to you. Never let your meditation practice feel like just another thing you have to do. Yeah. It's like this special little thing. Like Marjorie, and you said, it feels good. I start my day with it. It makes it better for the rest of the day. That's beautiful. And that's perfect. So whatever that means to you as the listener, do that. Even if that means I'm just going to set my alarm eight minutes earlier, literally sit up in bed, hit play on a guided meditation. When those eight minutes are over. I'm done. I'm not going to think about it. That's perfect. But you can also make a special little spot, create a little ritual around it if that feels good to you too. Well, in all of these things too, it, it goes back to the idea of habit. Um, I didn't do it yesterday because I had to run out of town for something and it, if it, I, I, I knew it all day that I hadn't done it. Oh, you felt like a little bit, just a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And so I think I want to integrate in meditation in that same way, because I think once it becomes habit and I, and I know sort of deep in my soul, what it does for me and how it feels when I don't do it, I'll miss it. I need to get to that place with it because I think, but that takes time, but I think it's that important. I mean, I, I did, I did one of your meditations this morning and it was so funny because like I've done it in the past. Um, I've done regular meditation. I think Oprah and Deepak Yeah, you did Oprah. the Deepak Chopra one. I remember that years ago. Years ago. And I loved it. And then you just stop. And it's like, why? Why did I just stop? And so when I did yours this morning, again, it was just like, okay, this needs to be, this needs to be a part of my life because it was just, it was the, I did the meditation on anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do one, you do, you lead the meditation beautifully. I will say that. And then oh, two, you. it's always so strange to me how good it feels to be reminded to breathe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it seems so fundamental, but doing sort of a, a measured breath and, you know, a, a regulated breath, I, I felt so good. And so thank you for that. First of all, this morning, well, but thank you. it is so important. It is so important. Kelly, what are you, what, what helps people about a guided meditation versus just sitting there and being quiet? Because I, I love your guided meditations. You guys, just building me up. So well, we do. It's recorded. Good thing is recorded, so I can listen to it <laughs> listen when to I have it. a. We're a your low hype day. squad. Yeah, we got yeah, it. I love it. Um, you know, I think I think of it a lot, kind of like bowling, where you put like the little bumpers in, you know, so you mm. don't get like a gutter ball either way. When you have okay. something to listen to and someone is guiding you for a few minutes, it just helps to keep you on track, and it's also something that. 
And sometimes people ask as a guided meditation quote, like cheating, they ask that about yoga props too. Like, oh, if I use a prop as a quote, like cheating, I'm like, oh, no, you're making your body, you know, you're making it work for your body. We need a full America redo. I know. Like, yes, no. sure. Everyone, let's just be a little nicer. You're never, you know, helping yourself isn't cheating, making something easier. It's not cheating. Just be a little kinder to yourself every mm-hmm. day, guys, just a tight 1% kinder to ourselves. <laughs> but I think with guided meditations, it's, you know, I've already laid out the practice for you. You just have to hit play and you're listening to a guide or a teacher walk you through a practice. And I think it's a common misconception that when you meditate, you just, you know, sit crisscross applesauce, you somehow magically turn your mind off like a light bulb. There's no thoughts. You won't be thinking about your grocery list or what's coming up or whatever it is. And that's not really what happens, but I think having a guide to walk you through a practice it's just really helpful mm-hmm. for a lot of people and it just helps to keep you on track. And you also don't have to do all the heavy lifting of figuring out, oh, well, I want to try to do this style or that style. Like every meditation on my podcast, it pulls elements from different styles. So you can also try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that, find a style and find a teacher that resonates with you. And yeah. that's why I really think that sweet spot is, is not every teacher is going to resonate and that's okay. So finding like a guide that can help you get there or having a teacher, like, you know, you have to learn how to drive. You have to learn how to, you know, do addition when you're in school and a teacher teaches you how to do that. Mm -hmm. And a guided meditation can really help you on that meditation journey. Is the goal to sort of, is the goal eventually to be able to do a meditation in complete silence? Does that have to be the goal or could I just do guided meditations for the rest of my life and be happy with myself? You could absolutely, hopefully you're happy with yourself regardless, but you could definitely (laughs) do guided meditations all the time and be happy with yourself. Truly the goal of meditation is to, so we call it a meditation practice because we're practicing for actual life. And I was thinking about this when you guys were talking about emotions and our children. And I think it's so beautiful because it's Franklin, right? That counts. Yeah. And which is so special. And the thing is, is when he learned how to do that at school is he was practicing to be able to implement it when he actually needed it into everyday life. Okay. That's so we, good. So we call it a meditation practice because, you know, if I can sit and breathe through my anxiety in the safe controlled space of a guided meditation, when I am in a meeting and my anxiety is going through the roof, oh, I can pull in all those tools that I had during my practice and I can implement it into everyday life. And we get good at what we practice and then it becomes second nature. Yeah. That, that definition of the practice that's very great. helpful because yes. <laughs> everyone throws that around like my yoga practice or whatever, but like, okay, what are you practicing for? Like for. you're not doing a competition. We're not doing like, you know, who's the best crown the queen yogi reality show. You know, I mean, that's not what it is. That's so interesting how you describe how to actually look at a practice. That's great. Yeah. And well, our goal what's... is just to be, our goal is to just experience life on a deeper level and to be the witness or the observer of us as human beings. That's the goal. So however you want to do that, whatever vehicle you take to do that guided meditation, there's a million different other styles of meditation out there. Great. You just Mm -hmm. find the one that works well for you. What you're saying is so important that, and it, you know, it, I think sometimes like, even when I was putting like my own yoga practice in quotes, I think part of the reason is so much of this language has been co-opted for marketing that 
it sounds cliche almost. And what I love about you saying it is I'm, I'm forcing myself to step back and just hear the words separate from everything else. Mm -hmm. And this idea of just being, we hear that all the time, but I think what's so important is to actually just really hear it. And when I did the anxiety um, meditation this morning, I will tell you the reason I chose that one. You have what, 200 and something meditations. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of options. <laughs> I chose that one because I don't, I, I hate thinking of myself as an anxious person. Elizabeth and I have talked about this. We did an episode on panic attacks and both of us like to think we're so in control of everything. The idea yeah. of us having a panic attack is just. I had one and then denied it for like eight months. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it just goes yeah. so against the idea. Mm -hmm. of, I think Elizabeth of who we think we are. 100%. So, like, uh, yeah. yes. And so I chose the anxiety because yesterday I was driving with my husband and we were going to see my mom and he takes this way to where she lives that makes me anxious. And I could never figure out why it makes me anxious. And it's a bunch, we live in a small town. It's a bunch of side streets that cross each other, obviously. So if we're going east to west, you know, there are lots of north-south streets. Some of them don't have stop signs. Oh, yeah. They have yield signs. Mm -hmm. And I hate going that way because it makes me really anxious because I've seen cars just like speed through. Uh -huh. And yesterday I had, I said to him, this is making me really anxious. And he's like, well, I'll turn. I mean, he doesn't, he didn't understand it, but I was trying to verbalize that it was making me really uncomfortable. And then I had to really sit with it. Why is this making me so uncomfortable? And it's because when we were younger, we got T-boned mm. at an intersection like that. And so it was like, I just, it was, I just couldn't sort of shake it. Mm. And so this morning when I was doing the anxiety meditation when you say about bringing that practice into your life, those mantras I could easily say now in my daily life when I'm just, and it's only when he's driving. That's the funny thing again. <laughs> like I could go, I don't go down that street normally, but if I were driving, I know that I would check once, check twice, check three times and then cross. But when somebody else is driving, I could just feel that coming up. And it, mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until yesterday when I thought, back to getting T-boned and how traumatic it was. They T-boned us in the passenger side, right where my son's car seat was. Oh. And he wasn't in the car, but it was just that, that yeah. anxiety of yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. So just to say practice, the mantras that you gave in that were, I am safe. I am love. My breath brings me peace. I, I think I am present in this moment. And I think about for people who have anxiety to listen to that and to then to bring that practice into your life is really important. That all gave me so much goosebumps, just all of that. And I appreciate you sharing that so much because I think it's just, I mean, so much of life is hard and so much of life can be scary and horrible things can happen for no reason. And it doesn't make sense. And we can carry so much of that with us just as part of the human experience. Right. And, and I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, having a panic attack and, um, you know, denying it for, for months. And I think we have this idea in our head of like, 
what anxiety can look like, or, you know, a person that quote needs to meditate, like what that looks like. And that somehow you are, you know, you need fixing or you're broken. And so you need this meditation practice to, you know, be less of, you know, something that isn't good. And I, and I think so much of, at least for me, and, and it sounds like, you know, Marjorie, for you as well, that being able to slow down and turn inward and take inventory and feel is such an important, powerful, scary, you know, everything practice that we just sometimes as humans need to do. And there's no other way to do it than to just slow down and turn inward. Right. Right. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that so much. And I think, you know, even as a mom, I think when you said that with the car seat, like both Elizabeth oh, and like our hearts just stopped and, and it's just, you don't know what life is going to throw at you and you don't know when you're going to need these tools in your toolbox. You just don't. Exactly. And I think that that's sort of my point in telling the story is that tool for me, just doing it this morning is so powerful And then it goes back to what you said earlier, which is sometimes people don't want to do these practices because it, it, it pulls up all of these feelings. Mm -hmm. Did I think I was going to start to cry while I was telling this story? Absolutely not. But Mm -hmm. it's, it is so visceral to me. And it was so odd to me that, that, that those streets were causing me anxiety every time we would go down. And it wasn't until yesterday that I realized why. And then to see your meditation this morning and to have those tools that if my husband, because he has free will, chooses to take that route, I can be calm in it. And I'm I'm not sure if you all heard the phone ring while, while we were, did you guys hear the phone? Yeah. Yeah. Was it your husband calling you? It was my son. Oh my God. (laughs) See, and isn't that interesting? I mean, there are so, I don't know guys. I mean, there's just so many avenues (laughs) like that. When you look at like, when you start to look at everything being made up of energy, I mean, I don't think there's any coincidence, Marjorie, that Ian took that route, that you were feeling that anxiety, that you then had that kind of self-awareness to start to understand where that was coming from. And then you chose the meditation from Kelly out of 200 something that you just, you were drawn to that particular meditation and that she shared those words that resonated so deeply with you. I mean, it's not, I don't think any of that is coincidence. I think that's all divine, beautiful intervention. And that the more that we're paying attention to those things, the more that we allow the, the healers in the form of whatever it is out there to come into our lives. Because obviously that trauma served you, Marjorie, like you look both ways, like you're not going to get T-bone in that situation again, but the anxiety is the maladaptive part that has sort of like, Oh, wait a second. I got to, yep. Okay. Hey, I recognize that you're trying to keep me safe here, but we're taking it a little bit too far. I'm safe. I'm loved. My breath brings me peace. Let's say that. And then we can move forward. What does it mean that I hung up on my son during the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I think it means you're a professional. Professional. (laughs) But I, you know, I was very confused. (laughs) And, you know, I think that like, Elizabeth, you're so right that so many of these things, I know this isn't exactly the avenue that we are planning to go down. It never is. Kelly. (laughs) And I, I don't even do interviews on my podcast and I go down so many tangents and it's just me speaking in a microphone. And it's like, how did I even get here by myself? But I think that one of the beautiful things about slowing down is you can witness some of these 
just really beautiful, special nuances and honestly, tiny little miracles that happen in our life mm-hmm. every single day. And, you know, if you, oh, I wonder, you know, did it feel significant that your son called you in that moment? Well, if it felt significant to you, it probably was. Right. And that's beautiful. And if we're, you know, living and spinning all these plates and doing all of these things and we never just slow down. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you see the one side where it's like, you know, you have to feel to heal and you sometimes feel uncomfortable, but also sometimes when you slow down, like you can witness some of the most special, tiny, little, beautiful miracles and amazing things that this world has to offer us that if we're moving at the speed of light, we're going to miss. And like, what is the point of life if you don't get to witness these incredible, beautiful, special little things sometimes? Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true, which is, you know, I mean, that's where, and, and we've got to wrap up, but that's where my, you know, my moving meditation is the garden. It is the garden because that is where I witness the miracles every time I'm out there. I just planted my herbs yesterday in case you Yay. were wondering, which is very exciting. And the, Yay. the most, the most miraculous thing to me every single year, it never fails. I've been gardening for like 20 years is to watch a cucumber plant to watch one day, you'll see this little tendril shoot out of it and you'll see it's searching, it's searching. And the next day it's found a trellis piece and it's wrapped all the way around it to climb to the next place. It is the most miraculous thing. I stop, I stare at it. I like, I can't, it's just, and, and that's what all <laughs> climbing squash do all of it. Well, it's Kelly, a miracle. This morning, Kelly, this morning you were my trellis. So thank oh. you. That's so beautiful. I love that. That's Kelly, so thank sweet. you for being with us. This was amazing. Really quickly before we go, yoga for you online. Where do you want people to kind of start to look to work with you and to and to learn more about what you're doing? Sure. So my podcast is always a great place to start. It's mostly guided meditations. Sometimes I'll do a free form episode where I talk about a certain style of meditation or dive deep into something. I can't promise that every meditation will move you to tears. I, you know, I can try, but I can't, you know, make that (laughs) promise that everyone will get the Marjorie special and unlock some (laughs) of the secrets of the universe, but that's always a great place to start. Otherwise my website, if you're someone, you know, I do meditation teacher trainings. I do more formal teaching. Like if you're someone that wants to, um, it's funny you talk about schools. I've had so many teachers and daycare workers recently, not because they really want to become a meditation teacher, but they take a meditation teacher training to have those tools to utilize with the children that they're working with, which is incredible. But yeah, just, you know, my website or Instagram, yoga for you online or my podcast, you know, all the places just stop by and say, hi, let's hang out. Let's meditate together. And, you know, just have a little fun. I love it, Kelly. You're so wonderful. It was such a joy to have you here. Thank you so, so much. This was really wonderful. And if if you're enjoying this podcast, we are, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Share with your friends. Share best to the nest. We like more nesters. The more nesters, the better. Sarah writes this morning, you bring joy. Life gets busy and I don't always get to listen each week. But when I come back to catch up, I feel a sense of calm and joy when I listen to your podcast, like catching up with an old friend. You bring such great perspectives to all the little daily joys and struggles and remind me that I'm not the only one who experiences bumps along the road of being a mom, wife, and chief organizer of our family life. Thank you. Thank you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.
To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.